listening to The John Moore Show on ESPN Central Texas. Tyrese Hunter against Zakai's Eagle. Swings a pass to Jabari Rice. Looking for a target. Fade away and knocks it down from 17. It's Big Monday tonight on ESPN for the Big 12. For a preview of tonight's game from the Allen Samuel Studios. Here's the voice of the Bears, John Morris and Aaron Sexton. I like cut courtesy of the Longhorn Sports Network from Learfield. Craig Way with the call. Craig joins us now as we head to Austin for Baylor and UT coming up tonight. Big Monday from the Moody Center, brand new Moody Center. Look forward to seeing that. And Craig, welcome to you. How are you today? Good. And uh, I, can, I can tell you this right now, J-Mo, roads are clear. Oh, good. Uh, Thank you. Skies are Skies are still cloudy. We just had just a little bit of intermittent uh, 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 drizzle right at the freezing temperature line, but nothing much. Now, it, it, things are pr- pretty safe for the for the time being for that roll down I thirty five for you. I appreciate that weather and uh, weather and temperature on the on the sevens. Thanks for that. We are headed your way. It's kind of wet here, but it's not really freezing. But uh, everybody's kind of on high alert weather wise here. Hey, tell me about the Moody Center, uh, UT. I, I think they like it so far. Eleven and one in that new building. What do you like best about that? Uh, it, it probably, you know how we are with when when you or I or other people go like try out a new restaurant, and we'll go <laughs> right. to a restaurant, and 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 you're and you're wondering what what makes it unique and what makes it different and what makes it something special. This one has. It's got a lot of really nice perks and things, and fans really like it. And and uh, uh, there's a nice, there's a uh, kind of it's not underground, but back kind of backstage, a really nice club area. And there's another, there's a uh, Moet de Chandon suite, you know, from the Moet de Chandon uh, champagne up mm. in one corner, and all yeah. that. All that's nice, but the real uh, unique element, obviously, are the panels. And what I mean by that is when this building was constructed, it was a group from California, the Fair Oak group, that struck the deal with the university. And that, that group out of California agreed to pay the entire construction. There's about $375 million. And so they, they would build the building. Well, the, what this group wanted, wanted a 15 to 16,000 seat arena. Well, right. the university didn't really want that for basketball. They wanted a more intimate environment, kind of like when you and I were talking about what's going to be with uh, the, the new Foster right. Center, the, new, right. the Bears' new arena, a, a lower capacity. So they wanted more around 10,000 or so. And uh, so then the, the Farrow group said, we've got a design that we think you'll like. And so when you walk in, what you'll see is, uh, look, what looks like a lower seating uh, area, and it's and it's got ten thousand seven hundred sixty three permanent seats uh, for that, and the students occupy two hundred seventy degrees of the three hundred sixty. So it's it's going to have that that kind of as you were talking about this morning that Cameron indoor with right. the students uh, environment. They'll have that there. But it, when you kind of look up, you look at one end and you can see some suites up in the corner. But then you see the like what looks like the walls of the ceiling of the arena, and they'll project some images and things like that on it. But what those are are panels. And when they have a concert, when there's no basketball game in there, those panels then lift up. And when they pull up, there's a, a 15 presto, a 15,500 seat arena, I think it is. So it's it's a big arena for concerts, but for basketball. It has a real intimate feel without it 
being curtained off like we've seen in a lot of arenas when they just draw curtains. It's not curtains at all. It's these panels that give it a look like that's the, the roof. And I think that's the most unique quality. Of the other thing you're going to see, John, when you get in the building, not only are the students going to be all around, including, you know, right behind you and wrapped around, but if you look way up at the top in the corner, there's, it's almost like a catwalk. There's a walkway up there, and it's a standing room only area for students. They have huh. concessions up there, right. and they ring that up there. So what it actually does, it runs the total capacity to about 11,300, and they've hit a capacity on every home game this year. It's been really unique to see it. I think, I think you'll, you'll uh, be impressed when you see the, the unique design of it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing it, especially knowing that ours, you know, the new Foster Pavilion's, uh, well underway, and uh, you're looking for all the you know the new nice bells and whistles everywhere you go, uh, and it has been a really good home court advantage, hasn't it? I remember the Gonzaga game early in November was really the first game I watched from there, and I thought, wow, this is a uh, quite a departure from the drum, just for the energy and the students right on top of the floor, and just the overall atmosphere. Yeah, it's a perfect way to describe it, John. You can remember how in in the first, in the earlier days, in the 70s and the 80s, and even really into the 90s, when I first started working on the Texas basketball broadcast with Bill Shoning, uh, in the in the old days of the drum, the Irwin Center, they would cut all the lights out, kind of yeah. like the Madison Square Garden. Right. Well, it'd be easy to take a good nap and fall asleep, and some fans <laughs> did that back then. You just didn't have that kind of rabid environment. It's not like that now in this yeah. this new building. It'll It'll be pretty electric for sure. What uh, what about Saturday? Uh, first off, tough game for you guys. I mean, Tennessee is really, really good. But for the Big 12 overall to win seven of the ten games, I thought that was a really good day for Big 12 basketball. Yeah, it was. I, I thought the conference really uh, showed itself well. I mean, it, it's ironic and interesting that the, the only three teams that lost, the three teams that were ranked, what, 10th, 11th, and 12th, right around yeah. Tennessee. <laughs> right. I mean, not, TCU in Texas and Iowa State and all were on the road and and uh, you know a tough loss for TCU with Mike Miles getting banged up and Iowa State just kind of ran into a buzzsaw and and I will tell you this with regard to the Tennessee game and and I had a I had a great visit with Rick Barnes who obviously was the Texas coach for 17 years and we were pretty close for a while and uh, he uh, he has in this particular Tennessee team a team that reminds me similar of the 03 Texas Final Four team. Hmm. Now, the Kai Ziegler isn't quite T.J. Ford, but he's a really good point guard. They've got shooting guards and got big bodies who can rebound. And they just they could really just took the, the physical fight to Texas. And uh, like Rodney Terry told me after the game, he said, we just we didn't respond the way we should have. And, and Tennessee jumped to that lead, and they kind of controlled the boards. And uh, Marcus Carr picked up two real quick fouls, one, I think, 11 seconds into the game. And I think they also had a little bit of trouble adjusting to how the game was being called by that SEC crew. It's not to say it was not being called correctly. I just don't think Texas adjusted to it very well. And Rodney said something similar like that on the post game. So those were things that I'm sure, you know, when we got on the plane to fly back from Knoxville, all the laptops were open with Rodney and the staff and the grad assistants and all that. And they're all, you know, dissecting it and doing the video cutups. But I will tell you this, John, that's also one of the things that's impressed me about this coaching staff since, Everything that went down with the dismissal of Chris Beard and Rodney taking over and being named the interim head coach is that this particular group, not that they didn't work hard before when, when Chris was the head coach, not saying that at all, but it's almost like you get the vibe of this group 
with Rodney and Bob Donawald and Brandon Chappelle and, and all the rest of the guys uh, that they're kind of all in this together and they need to make sure everybody's doing their part and everybody has a kind of collective roll up their sleeves thing and dive into it and get to work. I mean, there, there'd be some bits last year and even before when Shaka was coaching where, you know, the GAs might, you know, doze off and catch a, catch a nap, maybe an assistant occasionally a, a thing or two, but not now. Mm. These guys are all, they've been like that from the start. Chris Ogden, of course, uh, former player and former assistant under Rick Barnes at Texas and uh, was a head coach at UT Arlington. He had been hired by Chris Beard as a chief of staff, but with the dismissal of Beard, there were one coach short. Right. So he transitioned back into an assistant coach role. So you got a lot of guys who had head coaching experience like Bob Donawald and and obviously Rodney Terry and, and Chris Beard and Steve McClain, the special assistant, all of whom have been head coaches at the collegiate level. So it, it's a different vibe. And, and these guys uh, all work really, really hard. And I think, you know, despite the disappointment of the loss on Saturday, I think they've done a pretty good job under some really uh, unique and difficult circumstances. Greg Way, our guest, voice of the Texas Longhorns, Baylor, Texas, tonight, 8 p.m. tip-off from the capital city. I was going to ask you about Rodney, who we know from his time here as a former Baylor assistant and have uh, stayed in touch and followed him through the years. But, it, it, you know, tough situation for him to step into or step up into, uh, from, uh, you know, as the interim head coach. But it seems like he's done really, really well given the circumstances Am I right? The team is ten and three with uh, Rodney as the head guy. That is correct, and and only the one home loss when that was yeah. the, the night they just couldn't stop Kansas right. State, uh, and they were just bombing away from outside and and uh, scored one hundred sixteen points that night. But the he's um, he, he I can tell how uh, his experience as a head coach first at Fresno State and then at UTEP has really prepared him for the challenge of what he has to deal with here. It would be different if he just was elevated and had been a career assistant coach, I think. Uh, I think he's, he's you know, jumped right into it and, and has done what he's had uh, to do. And, uh, and, I, and I do think it's interesting. He told a story the other night that I did not know. And, and of course, I knew that he'd been on Harry Miller's staff there at Baylor. And, and uh, Rick Barnes had offered him a job once. And he turned it down. He said the timing wasn't right, so he was still in Waco. And then Kelvin Sampson offered him a job at Oklahoma, and he was ready to take it. And Frank Haith, who was you know Rick Barnes' assistant for right. a long time, right. or a head coach in the Big 12, said to Rodney, Rodney, you always said one of your goals was to coach at Texas. If you take this job at Oklahoma, you'll probably never get the opportunity to coach at Texas. Oh, wow. And so Rodney. Rodney decided against it and waited a little longer and then got another opportunity. And then that's when he took it to come to town. I never knew that. I that's never knew great. that Kelvin Sampson had offered him a job and he said he came very close to taking it. That's a great story. That's really good. I think the world of Rodney and, uh, and wish him success, not tonight, uh, but every other game wish him a great deal of success. What, what uh, for you guys, uh, you know, for the most part, you've been very consistent. And uh, what do you think has been, maybe the most consistent part of the UT game this year? Is it uh, kind of kind of balance scoring, Marcus Carr at the top there? Or what do you think has been the best part of UT's game? I think the fact that they've had some different guys when they had to have somebody else step up, but Marcus has definitely been the lead guy, and that's why they struggled when he got into so much foul difficulty early. But they've had some other guys, and the depth 
and veteran leadership of this team has really helped. You know, the guys returning like Christian Bishop uh, coming back, getting the grad transfer, Sir Jabari Rice. By the way, John, in second reference, you can just call him Jabari. I was going to ask you that. Yes, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Jabari. It would be would be sufficient. Perfect. He played he played four years in New Mexico State. Did a really good job there. Earned his degree and come in as kind of become really and truly their sixth man, a super sub. He and Christian Bishop together on that. Uh, Dylan Basu, when his knee has been sound, has been has been pretty sound for them. I think he's still trying to get completely comfortable back in his game. But uh, that's that's made a difference. And then Tyrese Hunter. Uh, you know, we, we all saw him as a fabulous freshman for Iowa State last year, and he started off like a house of fire this year, went into a scoring slump a bit. And he's also had a problem. It's been really odd. He's had a problem with leg cramps huh. uh, that have almost really just kind of uh, completely taken him out of some games. Uh, and they don't, they've tried everything, everything, different hydration, different diet, different rest, huh. all kinds of things. And, and, he lately, <clears throat> last couple of games, he's been better, but he's had some problems with cramping during games where he's just been uh, held out of game. And then, and then Rodney said on top of that, he tried to pace himself. And they said, you can't do that, man. You got to go right. pull out when you're out there and then we'll deal with the consequences. So, you know, but it's been really the sum of the parts that's made a difference for them and why then they've been able to go well and the offense has gone well Bob Donawalt's kind of coordinated the offense and Rodney's really handled the defense so uh, those are the things and they know that what, what a battle they have on their hands tonight I really think this could be a pretty entertaining battle of the backcourts tonight oh yeah I think it's going to be fun and with the new rankings out Texas number 10 Baylor number 11 but isn't it funny you know when you get into league play and games like this and 260th meeting all time between these two the rankings don't really matter do they no, nobody, I, you know, I don't even think about that. It doesn't even matter. I, you know, I think about, no, I mean, w- w- it, put it this way. At the start of the season, would you have had Kansas State ranked ahead of Kansas? I <laughs> know. <laughs> play tomorrow night. You right. Know? So it, it's going to be it'll be interesting uh, to, to see how it goes. I think, and you and I talked about this this morning, I, I do think that this is, the deepest, yeah. most balanced year we have ever seen in the Big 12. And I don't think we're, uh, you know, in a recency bias. I don't think it's just because of what's happening in the moment. I mean, Texas Tech may be struggling, but do you really want to deal with it? I mean, the Longhorns had a hard time beating them in Austin. And they've got to go back there, obviously. I know the Bears have them coming up. And, and, and West Virginia is a tough place. The Longhorns have had some success at Morgantown, but that's a tough place to play up there. And they got to turn around and play them again. I mean, those are two teams between the two of them. They have a grand total of two conference wins and both belong to West Virginia. Yet I don't think anybody wants to have to deal with them in the Big 12 tournament. Yeah. You know, sure. oh, I, gotcha. I, think the best, I think the best thing you could say about those two, John, is that probably, probably those two are headed and maybe Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are headed for having to play on the first day on Wednesday. But, heck, if Oklahoma plays like they did last Saturday and (laughs) thump at number two Alabama, who knows? And that's why I think it's the most balanced we've seen this league. Absolutely. I agree with you completely on that. Hey, man, I appreciate your time. Thanks very much. And uh, we will see you in just a couple of hours right down there at the new Moody Center. Drive it careful through the Bruceville Eddie Triangle. Look, <laughs> you know it well, don't you? <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate it. You bet, John. Craig Way, the longtime voice of the Texas Longhorns, Baylor uh, and Texas tonight, eight o'clock, Big Monday, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, Baylor on ESPN's Big Monday, second week in a row, 
And uh, it's here on ESPN Central Texas, of course, beginning at 7.30 tonight. Pat and I with the broadcast, 8 o'clock tip-off, Bears and Longhorns. Baylor has won. um, I don't have the notes in front of me. I think Baylor's won 12 of the last 13 meetings with Texas. uh, And included in that run is 6-1 and in Austin, going back to 2016. But it's a new year. It's a new team. It's a new coach, even though he's an interim head coach there for UT. So it'll be Really, really tough tonight, Baylor and Texas. But uh, look forward to it. As I mentioned, 260th meeting all time. Most played rival for both Baylor and Texas. And uh, we'll uh, tee it up uh, 260th time coming up tonight. Thanks to Craig. Let's take a break. We'll be back with more in just a moment. We'll continue on ESPN Central Texas. Brought to you in part by Kaleo 